Welcome to Crosscut Talks. I'm Paris Jackson, the host of Crosscut Now on KCTS 9 and the host for this podcast. Today, we're talking about the state of the Republican Party with former congressman and former CIA officer Will Hurd and political commentator Brandy Cruz during the Crosscut Ideas Festival in Seattle. In this conversation, Hurd calls out Republicans' ideological inconsistencies and how the party's image has been hijacked by a small group of people. He makes it clear that in order to repair and gain Republican voters, conservatives must be unafraid to disagree and be clear that the 2020 election was not stolen, as former President Donald Trump continues to falsely claim. Hurt shares how Republicans are doing a terrible job at appealing to the three largest growing groups of voters. Hurt's perspective is one you may not often hear from the right, a viewpoint he's aware of. He says the winning formula for Republicans is simple, identify voters, and get them to turn out at the polls. I hope you enjoy this insightful conversation. Please share your feedback on the podcast with us by sending it to talks at crosscut.com. Now, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Crosscut Festival. My name is Brandi Cruz. I am a Seattle-based political reporter and commentator. I spent eight years at the Fox affiliate in Seattle before leaving in 2021 to launch the Undivided podcast. Undivided is a podcast for people left, right, and center who are searching for common sense solutions to the challenges we face. And I am thrilled to be joined today by former Congressman Will Hurd. Will worked as a CIA officer before being elected to represent Texas's 23rd congressional district for two decades. He's been involved in the most pressing national security issues challenging the country, whether overseas in dangerous places, in the boardrooms of international businesses, or in the halls of Congress. Hurd is a native of San Antonio and a graduate of Texas A&M University. His recent book is called American Reboot, An Idealist's Guide to Getting Big Things Done. In the book, he argues that America is in need of a reboot. He believes that the country is facing deep challenges, including political polarization, income inequality, and changing technology. And he believes that those challenges can only be solved by Americans working together. Will Hurd, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, Brandy, it's, it's awesome to be here. What's up, Seattle? Uh, sorry I couldn't be there in, in person. And welcome to everybody else who's not from Seattle uh, that's watching. So you were recently in Iowa, which can only mean that you want to be president, right? Do you have anything to tell us today? Well, I'm not breaking any any news today, Brandy, but but the reality is um, we we can't continue on this on this trajectory that we're on. Uh, we have so many. We, we live in complicated times, and and as you said in your open, uh, we need common sense solutions. I've been fortunate uh, to have been connected for over two decades to national security, and to have been able to serve my country in a lot of different ways. And I'm not ruling out uh, serving my country uh, again at some point in time in the future. So what are you weighing in order to make that decision? Well, I think anybody who's thinking about running for office, uh, you need to figure out is the willingness there, right? Um, this is, you know, running for office is, is difficult. Uh, when I, 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 I quit a job that I was really good at in the CIA, recruiting spies and stealing secrets and preventing, you know, terrorists from trying to blow up the homeland and Russian spies from stealing our secrets and 
weapons, uh, nuclear weapons proliferators from trying to sneak a, a dirty bomb into the country. And to be frank, I got pissed with the caliber of our elected officials and decided to leave a job I was good at and move back to my hometown and run for Congress. And um, I thought I had a sense of how difficult that was going to be, uh, but, you, but that willingness is there. Um, you got to have the right ideas, right? And see, do those ideas resonate with folks? Um, also, there's got to be a moment to be met. And, and to me, I think the lessons of 2020 and 2022 is, is the, the country is trying to tell us um, that, hey, number one, don't be a jerk and don't be a socialist. And, and number two, have common sense ideas and solve problems, right? And, and those were the, the, the lessons. Unfortunately, I think both parties have not learned those lessons. And so I think the moment is there. I think the country is ready for, for something different. Um, and, and I think that needs to be tested. So the title of this session is Republican Reset. Obviously, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Republican Party, where it's at, where maybe it needs to be. But um, I joked with you before we started when we were back in the green room that this you might be the only Republican some people watching hear from all year long. So I want you to introduce your brand of conservatism to the Seattle audience. Look, I, I appreciate it, Brandon. Look, I have a real simple philosophy, right? Show up and talk about important issues, right? Don't be a jerk. Don't be a misogynist. Don't be a homophobe, right? These are simple things. Um, you know, my, I was lucky. My dad and mother uh, met in Los Angeles, in, and they met in 1969. Um, they got married in 1970 and moved to South Texas in 1971. Uh, my dad's black. My mom's white. And what they had just gotten, it would be, just become a, allowed to have an interracial marriage only four years, four years earlier. And when my mom, my dad was a traveling salesman, he sold notions, right? That's like an old timey word for zippers and threads and buttons. And um, he was on the road Monday through Friday. And um, then he would come home and, and my mom, you know, after they had three kids, decided to buy a house. The only, the only place they were able to find was the place where they ended up living for 50 years was the only place that would sell a home to an interracial couple. Right. And, and then fast forward 35 years, their youngest son represented that area as a member of Congress. Right. And, and the things that I learned from my dad work hard, um, you know, tr show transparency. Uh, these are all the things that I learned. You know, I, I think strong of foreign policy. Uh, the United States became a great nation, not because of what we have taken, but because of what we have given. Right. And we built an international order that benefited us. And that's why when it comes to things like Ukraine, we need to support the Ukrainians um, against the against the Russians. Right. And so I, I do believe that small government matters. I do believe in, in 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 a federalist society and that you should have local control. Unfortunately, uh, many in my party don't think about that. They only want local control when it's you know, they uh, are controlling things the way they want it to be done. Uh, that's kind of a, a against our principles. But if I had to boil this all down um, to a, a simple formula, right? It, it means freedom leads to opportunity, opportunity leads to growth and growth leads to progress, right? And, and ensuring those things happen is how we make sure this experiment continues to work.
Well, we're going to be touching on some of the issues you brought up there. Um, Ukraine, if we've got time a little bit later, also this dilemma with local control that there, there sometimes lacks moral consistency on. But we were thinking about how we can ingratiate you further to a Seattle crowd. So we're going to start with a question not about Republicans, but about Joe Biden. What is something, Will, that you think Joe Biden is doing right? Look, I think his his mannerisms, right? Like, uh, you know, not being, um, uh, he, I don't think anybody's gonna say he's a jerk, right? And and I think his 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 openness to try to have dialogue and conversations, um, I think that's something that that we should expect in our elected officials and especially um, in our president. And I think that is such a contrast from our previous president. And I think one of the reasons that uh, Joe Biden is actually in office. So so I would say that is something that he did. And, and look, I was I got to, to work with him a little bit when he was in the Senate and when he was when he was vice president. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up, because I think that that's something, unfortunately, that Americans, some Americans have let go of is, you know, being willing to vote for people they wouldn't even want to be friends with or wouldn't even want to go have a drink with. It's just a very odd thing to me. Um, let's talk about the Republican Party. We mentioned your book, American Reboot. The title of today's session is uh, Republican Reset. So kind of similar themes there. Do you believe the Republican Party is in need of a reset? And if so, what does a reset look like? Well, it, it is. It, it's needing a res it needs a reset. That's why I, I, I wrote the book, right? I think one of the problems that the Republican Party has is when you look at the three largest growing groups of voters, um, women with a college degree that live in the suburbs, um, people from black and brown communities, and folks under the age of 35, uh, we, uh, the brand is terrible and you know people don't identify with us. When you look at uh, that, that younger cohort, um, the it, it's it's pretty it's pretty disturbing how how bad that trend is for for uh, of of the Republican brand and so for me you know I, I call it American reboot um, because look my degree is in computer science and uh, my freshman year in college I worked in a computer lab right this was in 1995 and when I was troubleshooting a problem and ran out of all my tricks what did I do. I reset the machine, right? I rebooted the machine and, and somehow it always worked. And so to me, this is not about doing something drastically different or changing our, our government. It's getting back to those original principles, get to that fresh instance of our operating system uh, that, that led us to, to where we are today. And you, know, you made a comment earlier and the way I would say this, this lack of ideological consistency, right? It, is something that I think frustrates a, a lot of folks. And, and a willingness to engage with other people. The district that I represented when I was in Congress, it was uh, 29 counties, two time zones, 820 miles of the border. It took 10 and a half hours to drive across it at 80 miles an hour, which was the speed limit in most of the district. And unfortunately, um, at the time, uh, a, 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 one of my, you know, kind of my political Sherpa, who is now my wife, uh, she learned the hard way that um, the speed limit was not 80 in all of the district. And, and it was a district that was 72% Latino. Nobody thought that a black Republican would be able to win in a Latino district that had had been that had been Democrat. And what I learned and I showed up to places that had never seen a Republican. 
Uh, you know, it was, people show like it was like I felt like I was in a zoo sometimes, right? It was like everybody would show up, and be like, "I want to see the black Republican," and um, and and guess what? Like, you talk like we talk about the same issues, whether you're in a ruby red district or you're in a a, a blue town. People care about the same things. Put food on the table, roof over the head, make sure the people that they love are healthy, happy, and safe. And when you talk about those issues and willing to engage and potentially disagree, but but have that engagement, um, then people people appreciate that. And look, preaching to the choir is easy, right? Anybody can do that. You, and taking a message that folks don't necessarily identify with because of the negative brand association was a little bit harder, but when you do it, people appreciate that kind of outreach. You mentioned though, you know, because the brand is so bad. And I think that there are, Democrats in Seattle who like some of what Republicans have to say about crime, for instance, about public safety, about lower taxation. But there is that feeling that, oh, but I can't vote for a Republican. What do you think is so inherently bad about the brand right now of the party? Well, I, look, I, I think there's there's a number of things. Like uh, one of the titles in my book is don't be a racist, don't be a homophobe, don't be a misogynist, right? And, and I think some of that nastiness, right? Um, and, and again, part of that is because there have been people that have, have done those things, a former president being one of them. Um, and, and, and that has, has exacerbated this problem. And so I would agree with you. The actual opportunity in 2024 is that, is that independents and Democrats are as frustrated with the Democratic Party. Uh, they just want someone that they're like, man, that I feel like is 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 an okay person. Like I, I think there's this weird, there's this weird debate sometimes where we think that you can't have someone who's a nice person and have good ideas at the same time. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive, and we should expect that from from our elected officials. So so I would agree with you. Um, the, and, and why is that brand bad? Is because sometimes we're afraid to go into other areas and talk about things. People we're afraid. Look, um, the 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 fact that the the extremes of both parties have a disproportional influence on the parties is is a is a problem. And and you know I I and, and the reason we have that problem it's a math problem. Ninety two percent of House seats. Uh, of seats in the House of Representatives is decided in the primary, right? Uh, last cycle, there was only 32 seats that were considered um, uh, uh, swing districts, right? Where one party uh, could 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 win. And usually that's defined by that district voted for one party of president and the other party uh, for Congress. So, so that means only 8% were, are decided in the general election. And guess what? The average number of people that vote in a in a contested primary, whether it's Republican or Democrat, is about 60,000 people. So that means 30,000 and one people decide 92 percent of congressional seats. That's insane. That's four percent of the population. And those are the only people many of our elected officials are talking to, because guess what? It's easy. Those are the people that usually vote. It's hard going out and talking to people and engaging in a competition of ideas. 
But that competition of ideas is what has made this country the greatest country on the planet. And when we get away from that and show that we're afraid uh, to do that, look, we're, we're seeing kind of right now the two leading uh, contenders in the in, in for 2024 talking about not doing debates. Right. Like, come on. This is a hallmark of our democracy. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of making a gaffe? Are you afraid of something's going to be used against you because you don't believe it? Right. Like so. So. So part of this is, you know, being able to, you know, not uh, uh, the original question was about the brand. Right. Mm -hmm. um, this it, it's lack of 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 ideological consistency. It's a, a, a meanness and a pettiness. Uh, and it's because a handful of people have have hijacked the image of the party. Yeah, and I want to get into who is among the handful of people. But, you know, you mentioned the importance of, you know, the of conflicting ideas of people being exposed to that and working their, their, their way through that. And one of my big complaints in Washington has been, I just don't think one party rule is healthy. I don't think that it brings the best ideas to bear. And for that reason, you know, gosh, I'd like to see some Republicans be able to win at least the House and the, or the Senate. So there's a little bit of divided government. But there is the, the Trump problem. Trump is a terrible brand in Washington state. The polls have said so over and over and over. And so even though you have a, a Republican Party in Washington that I think is more moderate than the National Party, is fair to say, they really struggle with the being associated with the Trump brand. How would you suggest that Republican candidates in Washington state try to differentiate themselves? Uh, don't be afraid of, of disagreeing, right? Like, like, guess what? I'm sorry, 2020, uh, Donald Trump, that was the election was not stolen. He lost, full stop, right? Donald Trump lost the House in 2018. He lost the Senate and the White House in 2020. And because of him, we failed. This, this red wave did not materialize. And we had the most of the lowest gains of a party out of power um, uh, in power in the history of our country, right? Like, and and so so Donald Trump is not going to be helpful, and and he's preventing he's going to prevent us from taking advantage of what we already talked about that the the the, the center and center left are frustrated with the with the Democratic Party. Seven out of ten Americans do not want Joe Biden to be the Democratic nominee. Right? That, that's, that's an opportunity if we put the right person up. But guess what, Donald Trump, six out of 10 people don't want him, right? And, and so, so what would I tell uh, folks in, in Washington State, Republicans in Washington State, do what I did in the 23rd District, show up, talk to people, right? Engage in that, in that conversation. If you're afraid to engage in a conversation, then maybe you need to rethink your opinions. Right. Um, uh, because if you're not willing to allow that to be tested and if you're afraid of like having to say what is orthodoxy or um, or what I think um, this person that follows conservative media is supposed to say, then you can be wrong. Start with what you believe in and then and then be able to be willing to articulate that. And that's how you grow. And and the only way you build trust, trust is over time. And, and what I found when I was this, you know, people like, who is this guy, right? This CIA guy, right? And and I would show up and people would be like, you know, they were just they were just staring at it. And they'll all ask me, why are you here? Right? And then the second time I showed up, people would actually shake my hand. Third time I showed up, people would walk by and someone would whisper, I'm a Republican. 
right? And then like the fifth time I'd show up, people would tell me their problem. And the sixth time when I was like, hey, that problem remember, I helped sort that out and do it. Then the eighth time people would come clap me on, pat me on the back. And so it takes time and you got, you can't, you can't uh, uh, solve this problem overnight. It show, you gotta show a willingness to engage. So go to those places that, that you shouldn't be afraid of. There's a town in, in my old district called Eagle Pass. It's sometimes it's on the news now. We talk about the border issue and they didn't even have a Republican primary because there wasn't that many Republicans. Um, I think the Republican the previous year I won had only gotten 2%. I knew I was never going to win that area, but I showed up anyways and I continue to get larger margins. Now, I never won uh, that area, but I still was supposed to represent it. So I want to move on to some specific policy um, conversations and, and how they're framed by the Republican Party, what's a winning uh, discussion, what's a losing discussion. But on the broader issue of what's going on within the Republican Party, it's fair to say there is still a chunk of the party that likes Donald Trump and that wants him to be the president again. And so when it comes to some of the Republican infighting that we're seeing, as we, it's almost like the pro and anti-Trump factions, how much of that is healthy and how much of it is self-destructive? Well, I always like to say, look, if you're in, if you want group think, right? Like the, the Republican Party shouldn't be about group think. We should be open to a, 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 a diversity of ideas and thoughts and opinions. And that's one thing that's been the hallmark of the Republican Party. So uh, don't be afraid of it. Right. And so um, is, is this good? That debate is OK. But but the, the key is this is about voters. You know, people always say the Republican Party. What does that mean? Is that the sum total of the elected national officials that identify with the Republican Party? Is it the actual RNC, which is an organization, or is it all the people that would potentially vote for a Republican? I take that broader view of the people that potentially vote for a Republican. So you gotta, you know, the way you win elections is real, is, 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 is the, the, the formula is not complicated. ID your voters and turn them out. That requires a level of effort and, and engagement. And so that's what I would say, the people that wanna see something different, only 23% of Americans vote in primaries. That's terrible. That's a terrible number. In, in 2020, 67% of people voted in the general election. Okay, That was a high watermark. And, but, but in that same election, only 23% voted in, in the primary. That, that delta, that 40 plus, those are the people we need to be talking about and encouraging them to vote in primaries. Because I don't care whether you vote in the Republican primary or the Democratic primary, there's always better choices in a, a primary. Now, I'm going to assume that people that are coming to a Crosscut Ideas Festival are probably um, actively and, 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 and engaged and probably vote in primaries, but we need more people voting in the primaries. And when we do that, we're gonna ult we can ultimately see better outcomes. And so this fight, this internal fight is usually for what the what I call the, the professional political class say is the base. These are the people that come out to vote over and over. And, and again, debates always better. Competition of ideas is always okay. We should have these debates, but, but this brand of Trumpism, I think the only way it gets beat is you, it's gotta get beat in the primary. 
right? It's not going to be in a court case. It's not going to be, you know, anywhere else. It needs to be vote. It needs to be, be broken in a primary. Um, and those that care about this and want to see something different are going to have to vote in primaries. Yeah, and I think you're right about who comes to, who attends a Crosscut Festival. Those people need to get 10 of their friends informed and to vote in the primary. We'll be back with more after this. At Amazon, there's a way up for anyone because there's something for everyone. Like Jessica, who completed free technical training programs and is getting her bachelor's with Amazon's prepaid tuition. Even if you have no knowledge or no experience in IT, Amazon has the tools and the resources to teach you. I've been promoted three times and it's been a significant boost in pay for me. Free technical training programs at Amazon move full-time and part-time employees into higher paying jobs. Visit aboutamazon.com for more info. There have been some, I would call them the culture wars. I'll talk about the culture wars a little more broadly, but um, transgender issues, uh, you know, transgender athletes, critical race theory, these are all things that I think there is a big segment of the Republican Party that believes that if messaged correctly, those are winning issues. Do you believe that those are winning battles for the Republican Party that they should be focused on ahead of 2024? Well, I don't think I think they think those are winning issues in a primary, but they're not necessarily winning issues in a general election. Now, uh, there are some nuance in all those. Let's take the critical race theory issue. Right. Like, um, guess what? Slavery happened. Right. Jim Crow happened. Racism happens. Right. My parents could not live in any neighborhood in San Antonio, Texas in the 70s. And the neighborhood we ultimately lived in was, uh, did not have the best schools. Now, guess what? I turned out okay, right? Um, because I had a loving family and great brother and sister and awesome friends and, and, a, and a community, right? But I didn't have the opportunity to go to the best schools because of legacies uh, of, of racism, right? But the way you teach racism and Jim Crow and slavery is by not putting a bunch of fifth graders and segregating them based on their hair color or their art color. That, that don't make no common sense, right? Like the, the way you, you, can, you can talk about it, right? And, and you shouldn't, you know, don't send those kids home with a, 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 a piece of paper that says, you know, rate whether, you know, you have, um, you know, how, how privileged you are, right? Like that's, that's, that's not how you do that, right? And, and guess what? But education is important. We should make sure that we're preparing our kids for jobs that don't exist today, right? Our, our kids are not, are, are, are not staying, we're not giving them the tools to, to stay up to speed with their peers in other nations, right? Like that's a scary, that's a scary trend. We're still dealing with the aftermath of, of school shutdowns post COVID and the impact that it had on learning. Um, look, I, I'm a proud product of Texas public schools, but I also believe in, in school choice. And here in Texas, there's been a 20 year longitudinal study on school choice that shows black and brown communities have eliminated the achievement ground, gap between their white, white peers in school. That's why you have a lot of Democrats, Latinos and blacks that are supportive of school choice in, in Texas. So education for sure 
is 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 a is a winning message. But let's talk about making sure our kids are ready. Look, y'all are in Seattle, right? Like, you know, the amount of tech companies that are there. The technological change that we're going to see in the next 40 years will make the last 40 years look insignificant. You know, everybody's talking about AI and generative AI and the impact that's going to have. That's going to have tectonic impact on jobs. We need to make sure our kids are ready for that. So that is 100% a, a, a winning issue. Uh, Cinderella and Mickey Mouse. I, they're not going to be on a ballot, so I don't know why we're fighting with them, and 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 we shouldn't be trying to force or, or use government to punish uh, companies for a for using their their First Amendment rights um, to be supportive of something that the government doesn't 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 believe in. So so look, also you, you talk about the, tr the transgender issue, right? Yes. Like in elite sports, somebody who was born as a, as a male probably shouldn't uh, compete with, with with women. But transgender kids in high school, most of them are probably not even drinking liquids during the day because they don't want to have to go to the bathroom, right? We should be able to figure out how these kids can use the, the, the teacher's lounge to use the restroom, right? So like we should be able to come up with common sense solutions to these things. And we should be making sure that we don't discriminate against anybody. And, and oh, and by the way, we should be open to, to everyone, right? So, so to me, there is an opportunity in all those issues if we're focusing on that right issue where people are like, they want common sense, right? Well, that's uh, to solve complicated issues. That's the thing, you know, and as an independent voter, you know, I typically have a little split ticket, although it has been harder and harder for me to find Democrats that I'm willing to vote for in this day mm -hmm. because I feel like they've gone a little far to the left. But on the transgender issue, just as an example, you know, with the transgender athletes, I feel like we've devolved into this very black and white conversation. Either you have this one side that I think is being cruel to people. Uh, Matt Walsh had this really horrible video about Dylan Mulvaney, you know, the, the TikTok influencer that I thought was incredibly unproductive. And then on the other side, you can't even ask a legitimate question about whether it makes sense for, you know, a biological male to compete against a woman or you're a transphobe. And so I guess from an independent voter perspective, how can Republicans message in a way that is allowing those conversations to occur without vilifying people, but, you know, isn't being cruel about it? Sure. And, and I think, you know, you don't vilify. You you state a, a common, you know, what, what the actual thing that you're concerned with, but don't show, don't be mean towards the, 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 the folks that are on the other side. And, and this is the, the point, is you're absolutely right. A lot of Demo the, the reason that Democrats and independents would be willing to vote for a Republican that they actually like is because the far left has gone too far on on some of these issues. And so again, it's an opportunity, but you can't be afraid of it. And and you have to be you have to be honest. Look, I was one of of I think it was four. It was either four or eight Republicans that voted for like the Equality Act. And it basically just said, you shouldn't discriminate against people in the government. Like, why is this hard? Okay, this, this, this shouldn't this shouldn't be hard. Um, and so so I, I think uh, like part of this is people are afraid. Right? I, I think oftentimes as many Republicans that agree with me on the things that I say, but they're afraid to say it out loud 
because they don't want that, you know, because of, of hyperpartisanship, if the first thing out of your mouth is not a complete and total rebuke of the other side's crazy idea, they're afraid that they're going to be tarnished um, by that particular issue, right? And and so, you know, you see it in so many of these issues that we're talking about now. You see it in immigration, right? Nobody wants to talk about, you know, straightforward common sense immigration rules because they're afraid they're going to be like, oh, um, someone's going to say I support amnesty. Like, just because you want to streamline legal immigration and, and, and do all the other things that we should be doing does not mean you support amnesty, right? And, and so, so oftentimes, I think too many Republicans are afraid um, that having a nuanced position may look at it as, as an acceptance of the crazy of this other person position. So they, they harden um, their response to these topics. Well, I also wonder, though, where where can those nuanced conversations exist? I mean, at the Crosscut Festival, obviously, um, but certainly not on social media. I would argue also not on cable news. So when we talk about, I, I think there's a lot of people like you who would want to have those nuanced conversations, but I don't see a lot of places that platform them. Look, uh, agreed. And, and I think, but but here's what I would say. There's multiple trends that are, that are happening. Um, yes, it's hard to put all this stuff and 280 characters, right? Um, if I said crazy things, my social media footprint would be 10x uh, what it is today, but I don't say crazy things. And I have discipline not to say that. Oftentimes, I have to do a four or five tweet thread um, be, to get a point across. And, and guess what? It's not it's not as effective and it doesn't trigger the algorithms the way some pithy you know statement does, right? And, and you're right about about, about, about um, uh, cable news, but we're also seeing the rise of podcasting. Look, you 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 know this better than anybody. A longer form conversation. You're seeing that same that interest when you're seeing the at the same time attention spans decreasing, but also increasing. The number and and the podcasting revolution is is really showing that. I think uh, documentaries are having a golden period right now. So there are folks that are craving this, but it's hard, right? And in those formats and those ways have a, a, you know, there's more of them, which means they have a smaller footprint. And so to get that message out and talk to those people, it's difficult, but it's gonna require us to to stand up and do that that care about uh, these issues. I you know the first time there's a there's a conference in Austin called South by Southwest, and it started as a music festival and a and a movie uh, festival, and then you know they have uh, all kinds of stuff now. It's like three weeks long, and I got invited to to come speak. Um, this is my first year in Congress, and I was on a panel of a bunch of YouTube stars. And, and the combined, the other four panelists had uh, half a billion subscribers on YouTube. I had 67, like legitimately 67. And I'm like, why am I, why am I on this? Why am I on this stage? And, I, and I'm, a, I'm assuming like 30 of those people are probably watching us right now. And, and one of the people that was on this was a woman who's the digital director for The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson. And this was when the movie Moana came out. And, and she said, she asked, she goes, okay, if Moana comes out and it fails at the box office, are we going to blame the movie and say it's a crummy movie? Or are we going to blame the, the moviegoers, the consumers, and blame them for not coming in the movie, right? And we all knew what the answer was. 
we were going to say it was a crummy movie. And now I'm not saying Moana is a crummy movie. I think it's a very delightful uh, a movie, and I think it won a number of awards. However, um, she went on to say that politics is the only industry where we blame the consumer, the voter, rather than the product. And the reason that we only have 23% of Americans coming out to vote in, in primaries is because we got a bunch of terrible product out there and people aren't wanting to go see it. But it's hard, right? And so it requires people that care about this to get involved. It requires those of us uh, that, that have the ability um, to take the slings and arrows, right, to get out there. And it requires us as individuals to, to mimic the behavior we want to see. And, and, and I'll, I'll close with, with this, Brandon. I didn't mean to uh, go on, but you got me, you got me worked up. Um, I guarantee if I if 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 everybody on this on this on watching this video could raise their hands and I, I asked them, have any of y'all ever clicked on an article that said Congress worked? <laughs> nobody would raise their hand because nobody's clicked on that, right? But I guarantee you, everybody that's watching this probably knows three or four outrageous things that George Santos has done and lied about in his life, right? So are we mimicking the behavior and modeling the behavior that we want to see? And so part of that is us uh, making sure we're, 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 we're showing that kind of behavior. Yeah, it's a great point. Okay, I want to get into some audience questions. And there are some good ones that have been submitted, which does not surprise me. Um, this question, is there a viable strategy to move beyond Trump? Uh, yes, th 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 there is. And, and, and it starts with uh, this realization when 70% when of the country thinks the country's on the wrong track. Um, that is something that has been growing and started under, under Trump's tenure. You also have a, it's, it's more than 50%. I want to say it's 58% of Democrats, um, 55% of Republicans, about 49% of independents think that the democracy is going to fail to exist, right? This was something that happened. This was a polling from last summer and those numbers give me, you know, somebody can probably fact check that, but that's plus or two. That's an outstanding show of bipartisan despair, right? People want something different, right? And, and so, so, it, so is there a way to move beyond this? Absolutely. Because the opportunity is with those independents and Democrats, uh, we keep coming back to. And that means talking about issues people care about. It means talking about how are we going to ensure that people are able to move up the economic ladder? Uh, you know, the economy is one of the most important things on most voters' mind every single year. And, and now we're potentially 30 days from defaulting on our debt. Um, you know, I have to spend a lot of time in New York now when I talk to people up there that are in high finance uh, that nobody thinks that we're going to defund on debt. It's like, it's impossible for that to happen. There's a lot of people in Washington, D.C. that would love to see that happen. And, if, and, and the impact that that would have immediately on our 401ks is crazy. This decoupling of the dollar that is happening around the world should scare most people. And the Chinese government is trying to surpass the United States of America as a global superpower. And one of the way they're doing that is trying to ensure that currency exchanges that happen between companies, uh, com uh, countries, excuse me, doesn't happen in dollar denominated accounts. That helps us uh, in a big way. And by the way, we set that up after World War II to benefit us, right? 
And so, and so there, these are these real issues. Income inequality is, is a real issue and something that's impacting uh, most folks. So when we talk about those issues and explain it to people in a way uh, how it impacts them, then I think we can see a change. So, so I believe it, but it's also going to require people that are willing to get engaged in primaries and get their friends to do it and support candidates that are doing those things that you want to see happen. Uh, just because you alluded to it there, there was a question about what your approach would be to the current debt ceiling situation. Look, so so uh, engagement matters, right? And I think President Biden, and I think his tunes change a little bit after after Secretary Yellen uh, said that uh, we're like 30 days uh, before before all hell breaks loose, pardon my language. And, 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 and so you got to engage. I think you, we are spending. So we're $34 trillion in debt. We are spending $1.7 trillion more dollars than what we bring in. We can't spend more money than we make, right? Uh, one of the things that we should be doing is when the appropriations process comes around, that's how you fund the government. Nobody talks about, well, how many tax, what were the tax receipts that came in last year? And let's only program up to that number, right? Um, I think there's things like, letting the government set a budget over four years or two years, right? Over a congressional district. So you get rid of this thing in government that everybody knows it's, it's funny whenever I'm in a crowd and I say, if you don't use it, you lose it. And everybody knows that phrase and how the government does purchasing that way. We waste, we waste a lot of money that way. And if you had two or four year budgets, um, you would get, you would remove that incentive and then you would see an incentive to potentially save, have some uh, some cost cutting uh, to have a more efficient uh, government. Then you also have to increase the pie, right? And so, uh, it, uh, economic incentives. We shouldn't be injecting more federal dollars into the economy. That's what's fueling inflation. When you fuel, fuel inflation, the note on our debt increases. So more money goes that and crowds out how we can spend uh, money. Look, streamline legal immigration. Stop treating people, everyone coming into the country as an asylum seeker. Asylum is very specific. We can get into that if you want. <clears throat> but if we streamline legal immigration, Every industry needs workers. So you would have more people coming in, paying taxes, doing all those things. So, so there's multiple things that would need to happen to do this, but it starts with conversations. Um, and in this, in this, in this environment uh, right now where there's a ticking time bomb, uh, you got to engage and figure out how you uh, come to some kind of compromise. Yeah, um, I like this question because I think this can be a blind spot for Republicans, but it's an issue that's very important to voters in a place like Seattle and a state like Washington. What are your thoughts on the environment and climate change? Climate change is real and man and people are having an impact on, on our environment, right? But uh, having climate change prevention and U.S. energy, independ uh, energy independence are not two mutually exclusive things. Um, when, when you look at uh, about 770 million people in this world do not have electricity. There are about 2.4 billion with a B that don't have clean cooking. Right? Clean cook, like uh, people that don't have clean cooking mean they're cooking with wood and coal or animal dung in their houses, right? Like that's crazy. That's 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 like a uh, that's almost a third 
of the entire global population that don't have clean cooking. So, so the need for electricity and, and proper energy is always going to increase. By 2050, Americans are going to probably need a double amount of electricity that's happening, right? So we can see a, you know, a, a move to renewables. You're seeing it. The reality is actually most, when we look at the top six states that have renewables, um, uh, most of them are, are Republican-controlled states, where, you, where you're seeing that, that renewables are part of the energy mix. Uh, we need, we need th this, this is a problem that can be solved. Um, this is something uh, that, that's gonna create, that's gonna require uh, ingenuity and creativity. It's also gonna require things like nuclear energy in order to, in order to have uh, this mix, but we could, we need to have a, 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 a mix of all the above strategy when it comes to the kinds of, of tools that we need. Um, and, and, and we, we got to be able to solve this. And this is another reason why um, voters under the age of 35 uh, have a, a hard time voting for Republicans because they don't feel like we take, we take the, the, um, the environment um, seriously. Uh, I like this question. It's very kumbaya. Uh, who is a Democrat you admire and who is a Democrat that admires you. Uh, well, I would hope that would be the same, the same, the same question. But you know, I, I always get mad when I, well, I always get in trouble when I say it. But my boy is Pete Aguilar, right? And and uh, that's that I use that as a as a familiar term and a friend. Uh, Pete Aguilar is the number three in in the house. Um, he is from California. Um, uh, used to be the mayor of Burbank. Just a, a, a smart guy, thoughtful guy. I got to know him because we worked together on on dealing with a um, uh, dealing with um, uh, immigration. Uh, we worked and had one of the probably one of the few most recent uh, bipartisan uh, pieces of, of immigration legislation um, in a really long time. We came two votes away uh, from from actually dealing with this issue. Uh, so so Pete is one. And guess what? How did we become friends? by having debates and conversations. He was thoughtful, he was smart. I trusted him, he trusted me. We can have open and honest conversations without trying to burn each other. And that's how we were able, uh, we were able to build, um, build a, a, a relationship. And look, I, you know, uh, there's a lot of Dems that I, I, I worked with and served with because I, you know, we talked and we had conversations and I would go to them and be like, hey, explain this thing to me. Um, like, look, I got 22 pieces of legislation signed into law in six years. That's more than what most people do in, in two decades. And part of that is because I always started with having a, a, a Democratic partner on the House side and then making sure you had a Republican and Democrat on the Senate side. And that's how I was able to um, to to build those relations, I gotta say, Robin Kelly too. Robin Kelly is a is a Democrat from from Chicago. Um, a lot of the AI legislation I did when I was in Congress uh, was with was with my uh, my friend Robin Kelly, and and she's a dear friend. And I would hope I'd hope both Pete and um, and and Robin, whoever asked that question, would you go on their social media we'll and them. be like and be like. Uh, what is your opinions about Will Hurd? I want to see. I want to see what they say. <laughs> we'll ask them, and we'll let you know. Okay, just so you yeah, know who your sure. friends are. I, I just sure. want to end on this because 
Oh, we just have a minute left, Will. You know, this is called Republican Reset. For that reason, I mean, we're diving deep into some problems with the Republican Party, but there are some issues with the Democratic Party. We'd be, you know, it would be a foolish not to acknowledge that. You know, in Seattle, we look at our homeless crisis, the, the mm-hmm. crime rates that are going up, the, the uh, taxation, um, you know, the situation at the southern border, which is completely out of control. So when it comes to getting voters, particularly voters in the middle, the movable middle, mm-hmm. to recognize some of the the shortcomings of the Democratic Party and their ideas, what is the best way for Republicans to do that in 2024? Look, uh, just restate what you just said, right? I'm paying more taxes to have uh, more crime, uh, more homelessness, right? Like, uh, it is not humane. The, 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 the way that many Democratic governors and mayors are dealing with homelessness is not humane. And, 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 and that, that we, sh- we should be trying to help people uh, not uh, be, be on the streets. Uh, you know, the, this issue of the border, 2.5 million people came in the country illegally that we know. That's basically two San Franciscos, right? The, 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 the drug trafficking organizations that move people into the country made at least $25 billion, right, with a B. Starbucks, right, I think their market cap is $23 billion. So, so, so human smugglers made more money off of, off of human smuggling and bringing people in the country, into the United States illegally than Starbucks made on lattes, right? Like this makes no sense. Or kids' education, they're not getting the tools they need to compete with their peers. This is, this is a problem and this is why people are frustrated uh, with the Democratic Party. And what I would say to other Democrats is there are Republicans that ain't crazy, right? <laughs> That have your that have your 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 interests and, and and needs in mind and are willing to engage in a competition of ideas. There's a few out there. Okay, it's not like I wish there was more, right? Uh, but again, the only way that we're going to make sure that this experiment called America continues for another 247 years, the way it's done over the last 247 years, and help most Americans increase their quality of life while uplifting all of humanity is if we have this competition of ideas. Because one of the things I learned from my time in Congress, all the major piece of legislation that we can recite and has made things better, we pass them being working together. We yeah. are we are a better nation when we're together. We're better together. And 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 that's what we need from our elected officials. Well, Will, I wish we could talk to you for hours. You're you're fascinating. You're such an interesting guy. Uh, we are out of time for today. We'd like to thank everyone who joined us in the audience and those who submitted questions uh, for being part of the Crosscut Festival. The Honorable Will Hurd, I'm sure you cringe when people call you that. I'll give you the final word, sir. Well, look, thank you for the time. And, 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 and I, I think I said this before, uh, one of the privileges I had was serving my country and what I learned uh, being in overseas and dangerous places and, and dark alleys is that America became an exceptional nation, not because of what we have taken, but because of what we have given. And we have given the rest of the world a, a model. And when we remember uh, those timeless principles, uh, we, we will be we able to be better together. I believe our best days are still ahead of us. And that just requires us to do a little bit of work. So go, I know y'all all vote in primaries, but go get your, those 10 friends, as Brandy said, and make sure, and this is how we create change in this country. That's it for today's episode. Thanks to Will and Brandy for the talk. 
This episode of Crosscut Talks was produced by Seth Halloran and engineered by Resty Bacall and Victoria Ralph. And the event was produced by Jake Newman and Anne O'Dowd. Madeline Happold managed our audience engagement. And you can subscribe to Crosscut Talks wherever you listen. And if you like the show, please review us. We want to know what you think. For the latest political, environmental, and cultural news from the Pacific Northwest, visit CrossCut.com. And if you would like to support the work we do at CrossCut, whether it's live events we host or the in-depth reporting we do every day, go to CrossCut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to on-demand programming on Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. CrossCut Talks is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Paris Jackson. We'll be back soon with another conversation.